What's up, everyone? This is episode 118 of the Wax Museum podcast, where I talk about all things basketball cards from past to present to future. This is your host, Kyle, and as always, you guys can find me throughout the week on social media. My Instagram is at Wax Museum Podcast, and my Twitter is at Wax Museum PC. So I went to another card show this past weekend. No surprise there, right? No selling this time. I just went to buy. Uh, although, actually, I did try to sell some Pokemon cards that I got in an eBay lot. And you can see those cards on my YouTube if you want to. No luck in selling those this week, but I think they'll move eventually. I'm not in a huge hurry, but, you know, whatever. I thought I could get rid of them. But overall, I felt that the mood seems a little bit different now. And, and once again, this is just my perspective on this show. It doesn't mean that's the way it is even in this whole region or it, this is not representative of a huge area. Okay, this is just kind of the vibe that I was getting. Um, it seemed like there was a lot of people there, but maybe not as much spending. And I've talked before about how things are shifting. I think that people are still figuring out where they want to go from here. Now, um, it's not uncommon for me to go to a show and not get anything. As I've said before, I am very picky. I think I spent a total of $2 on a handful of 1970 Tops comments. But either way, I still had fun. And after the show was over, one of my friends that did set up at this show, and in fact it's someone that I normally set up with at another show, he called me and he said, Look, I know you do recaps from time to time. Do you want to know what it was like from a dealer's perspective? I said, sure, let me have it. And he kind of felt the same thing. He said he didn't see as much basketball moving, although people were trying to sell him their Anthony Davis autos. Keep in mind, this was um, you know last weekend, so this was right after his one decent game and before he got hurt again. So I guess there are some people out there that are done with him. They're done playing that game. They saw him win a ring last year and not really have a huge bump. So they don't want to deal with that anymore. But um, he said that he also noticed several people trying to make deals in the aisles. And um, I'm not talking about people, you know, I'm not talking about with people that had tables. It's one thing if you take your cards to a dealer and say, hey, are you buying? That's normal. That's acceptable. Um, but anyway, he said he saw people trying to make deals. So that observation got me thinking. Um, there are a lot of new entrants in the hobby. As I mentioned last week, a lot of these people haven't attended shows before, uh, or if they have, it's been a long time. These people might not have a very good grasp on card show etiquette. So if you're going to a show, you have to remember that the people that are set up there are paying to do so. So if you start making deals with other customers at a dealer's table or in front of a dealer's table, you're kind of infringing on their business. And I know a lot of people are sharing card show recaps on their YouTube channels right now, and that's really popular. And, and, and hey, you know, they're fun to watch. I watch them too. Sometimes there are trade night videos associated with that. Maybe people are watching these and getting the two confused. I don't know. That's kind of my thought process here. But do not treat the aisles of a card show like trade night. Take it to the lobby. Take it outside the show. Please just be considerate of everyone that's contributing to this ecosystem. Understand what they're doing and respect that. That's all. 
Um, I don't think a lot of these people mean to do wrong, but maybe they just don't know. All right, before I move into today's conversation with Alex, I want to take a moment to remind you how you can support this show. As you guys know, there are costs that go into producing a podcast. One of my goals is to always keep the show itself free. As a result, I've signed up for affiliate programs with eBay and Fanatics. If you'd like to help support the show in this way, go to www.waxmuseumpodcast.com, click whatever store you need to go to, shop as planned, and the Wax Museum Podcast gets a small commission in the process. The best part is, it doesn't cost you one bit. Once again, that's www.waxmuseumpodcast.com. Hey, this is Bob Nettleke, former Indiana Pacer, played on a few championship teams, had a lot of fun. You know, I'm listening to the Wax Museum Podcast, one of the best there is. Okay, so I teased this conversation on last week's episode. My goal was to feature someone who's a big fan of a current playoff team. I wanted someone that's active in the hobby, and I wanted that person to be someone you haven't heard on the show before. Well, I got a Miami Heat fan, but two out of three ain't bad, I guess. And in addition to that, he's just a really good guy. So, Alex, I'm glad we've gotten to know one another on social media over the last couple years. I know a lot of listeners know you better as um, Connell underscore collection on Instagram. Alex, how's it going, man? It's going great. I'm happy to be here. Wish I could say, like you said, my team was still in the playoffs, but guess we need to move back to Orlando or the bubble if I want to see that happen again anytime soon. Well, you know, I'd like to throw some stones and, and, and put some jabs <laughs> in, but uh, my team couldn't beat the Wizards for the play-in. So now, you know, I know we could blame injuries and all that, but um, my team stinks. So it is what it is. You guys have some rings, so I don't feel too bad for you. But, you know, we mentioned the heat in the intro. I've been wanting to talk playoffs. Let's just jump right in. I know you were watching that series closely. What happened to the heat? Uh, that's a wonderful question. There's a lot of things I would blame. I don't want to play the COVID card with all the inconsistencies of the season. Jimmy Butler missed 20 of the first 25, couldn't get a good rotation, and Tyler Hero forgot how to hit the broadside of a barn. That's your guy. It, yeah, it still is. I'm loyal. Don't you worry about that. But um, if I, if there's one thing I'm upset about, it would be the fact that when they went for the veteran role players type of thing, they got Iguodala, who I love, and then they got Trevor Ariza, Deadman, and the best Dwayne in Miami Heat history. That makes me nauseous to hear you say that. Um I'm okay with those guys as locker room guys, but Coach Spo had the audacity to play them big minutes in the playoff series, other than play the guys you've seen succeed in that system. Right. And they just never were able to develop. Another thing I'm going to blame is, I'm sorry to all the Kentucky fans out there, but there's this guy named Eric Bledsoe. He's not on the Bucks anymore. And I think Drew Holiday is one of the most underrated guys in the league. So yeah, a couple Kentucky guys really influenced that whole situation between him <laughs> and and Hero. And um, you mentioned Butler. There were times, you know, it's, I kind of wondered where he was at at times, even though I know he's filling other parts of the stat sheet here. But when he was out at the start of the year and then he came back, you guys were significantly better. Yeah. Um, so and you know, I like you said, it's been kind of a turbulent season. You added, you know, you drafted Precious. Um, you lost Jay Crowder. Maybe we can just appease Steve here and say, like, losing Crowder was the whole thing. I don't know. I'll say to Steve, I really do miss Crowder. I do not, and I mean not, miss Kelly Olenek at all. Okay, no missing Kelly Olenek. I got you. So Not a bone in my body. 
No. <laughs> uh, so I'm assuming you've been following the other series in addition to Heat and Bucks. And we're recording this on a Sunday. So I just want to let people know that in case we say anything that's time sensitive, although we're going to try not to be too specific. But what are some things that have stood out to you so far in the first round? More than anything, I had some cards in the pile of Luca that I was looking to sell. And I pulled those back out and put them back in my collection box. More than I ever thought I would. I've been having a lot of fun watching him try and beat the Clippers. And that's the series. I'm on the East Coast and I'm having to stay up till 1, 1.30 in the morning to catch those. And I'm doing it anyway. I'm, you're, you're better than me, man. I can't. I've tried. I can't do it. It's, it's a shame that the two West Coast teams I love the most are the Lakers. And I like watching the Clippers. I want them to lose, but there's just so much talent on that team. Yeah, I stay up till 1.30 every time LeBron's on. I don't think he's better than Michael Jordan, but I have him right there at two. So when he retires, I don't want to feel like I took him for granted. Right. You know, I know not everyone likes him, but I think that's more off-court stuff. On the court, I don't think we're ever going to see something like this again. So I kind of face it. I know we're both teachers. Right. And Maybe during A block, I'm dragging a little bit, but that's what they made coffee for. <laughs> well, and I think, you know, people people get caught up in rankings no matter where you put him, he's, he's one of the top players of all time. So just, yeah. you know, a lot of people spend so much time debating, just enjoy him while you can. Right. Exactly. Because yeah. I remember, you know, I I've talked about this before on the show, I saw the end of Jordan's career. Um, mm -hmm. And I, I even watched him, you know, consistently through the second half of the nineties. Yeah. Um, but I didn't see all of Jordan's career. I didn't quite understand what I was watching. Um, it was just, you know, Hey, this guy's really good. Then he retires the league kind of goes into a, I don't know, recession. I don't know, you know, recession of talent. I don't know what you want to call it, but things were certainly different without him. And part of me thinks, you know, when LeBron leaves, who knows, we might see that same thing, even though there's guys like Giannis and Luca, because, you know, we had Kobe, we had other guys when Jordan left, but there's just a big void without him. Mm -hmm. So I'm the same way. I'm going to appreciate LeBron while he's here. You know, I, I don't want him to get eliminated early on. I want him to be a, a, a focal point of the playoffs, you know, regardless of, of what other people say. Um, all right. So let's, you know, you mentioned your Luca cards in there. Let's transition into some card talk. I feel like I know some of your collecting history just from social media, but I don't know the complete picture. So I'd love if you could start today by sharing your hobby history. Tell us a little bit about yourself. All right. So I was born in 1991. So in the late 90s, I was about seven, eight years old. And at that point in my life, I was in full on do everything my older brother does mode. And one of those things that him and his friends happened to do was buy a lot of basketball cards at our local card shop. I would try and follow them every time they went, beg them for a ride. And I became hooked on it. And there was a day I pulled a Kobe rookie in a pack in 96 as like a five or six year old. And I remember the reaction that all three of them had, my brother and his two friends, and they all try to rip me off, try to get it off of me. And they did eventually succeed. I did trade it to them. But the rush of pulling something big and them wanting it and loving basketball from a very early age, my dad is a very big basketball person as well. So the second I could walk, I wanted to dribble a basketball. And then combining that with, like I said, everything my brother was doing, I became addicted to it pretty hard, pretty fast. Every time I got an allowance, every time I mowed a lawn, I want to go to Bud's Cards. That was my card shop. And every time my mom asked, what do you want for your birthday or Christmas? I'd just say cards and I'd get 
mad at people if they didn't get me cards for those special. <laughs> even even to this day, there is a pack of cards for me on Easter every single year. She says, until I can't do it anymore, you're going to get basketball cards for Easter. So, so did mom find uh, basketball cards this year? Actually, she did. Our card shop always sets them aside for her because she knows. But I did have to explain to her why the packs that used to cost $3 are now costing 40 <laughs> Right. So Easter Bunny had to pony up. Yep. And I told her, you don't have to do it this year. Cards are crazy. And she's, I'm not going to let that stop me. So I'm lucky. I know I am. Going back though, the first guy I really got into, and we'll talk about him more later, but Glenn Rice was, I don't know why. I don't know. I never met him. I never saw him play in person, but there was just something about him. And sadly enough, what really got me hooked on him was when he was on the Lakers. And then I started to really take a deep dive back into it because I realized he was a lot more than a third string behind Kobe and Shaq. And I started collecting cards of Glenn Rice. He won the championship that one year with the Lakers. Yeah, we don't talk about that title on this show. I know, it's a rough one for you. Very underrated thing about Glenn Rice that year. He averaged 17 a game almost, so I call it a big three if you ask me. I don't know. A big three. Fun. So yeah. for those of you that uh, maybe you're you're newer or you don't remember or you weren't watching then, so that was 2000. So that'll mm -hmm. kind of place us a little bit. So you're you said you were born in 91, so you're eight or nine at that point. Yeah, that was the first finals I remember watching i didn't make it till one for those west coast games but i watched a lot of games being played in indiana i know i was probably a lot less hurt by it than you were but sadly enough i don't have any memories of watching jordan and the bulls and i know a lot of people pretend that they saw jordan play and all that stuff but i'll i'll be honest with you the only time i really saw jordan play was on the wizards well if you want to go back and see a great uh, Jordan ending, I would recommend the 98 Eastern Conference Finals game four. A Reggie Miller shove? It, it, it uh, was a Reggie Miller displacing, maybe we could call it, <laughs> but he made the shot, right? He still had to make the shot. And one of those things about Reggie Miller, and I started to love Paul Pierce too. I love the guys who are cocky and back it up. For that reason, I don't, I don't collect Reggie Miller, but the guys that can talk trash like that, and he's historically well known for it, Gary Payton types. I'm off for that. Okay. So um, this is around, you said you, this is around 2000. So um, you kept collecting. Did you take any, any breaks? I know a lot of people did kind of, you know, at some point in high school. It's been pretty steady ever since I started and I don't have anything where I missed a guy or I know I hear a lot of guys say they realize they missed LeBron and things like that, but I was going pretty heavy with it as soon as I got going and I'm 30 in October. And I'm still going with it pretty heavily now. And I, all of my friends, my brothers, they all stopped collecting. And I thought I would too at some point. And it just hasn't happened or never did happen like I thought it would. I thought it would happen in high school. But instead of wasting all my money in college on other things, I just, I found a card shop in the place where I went to school and just kept going there. That's awesome. So you're, you're in New Hampshire. You're in the, the Northeast. You became a Glenn Rice fan because he, when he was on a West Coast team. Mm -hmm. You're a big Miami Heat fan. Uh, and it's not like the Celtics are, I mean, now I guess when you were growing up, they sucked, but it's not like the Celtics <laughs> are, you know, an awful organization to follow. You, you got to explain that one for me. It's, it's a tough one to explain, really. It's most people, when I talk to them on Instagram or Facebook, they just naturally assume I'm in Florida. Mm -hmm. Kind of 
people are surprised to find out you don't live in downtown Indianapolis, three feet from <laughs> where they play. And it's, for me, I'm a big trash talker. And I realized by making fun of the Celtics at a young age with all my friends, that was a lot of fun for me. Okay. Uh, don't get me wrong. I have the utmost respect for that organization. I don't think Larry Bird's better than Michael Jordan. You would not believe how much I hear that around here. And the Heat thing, Glenn Rice was just a coincidence because he played for them, obviously. He was great for that organization. But when the Heat really became, quote unquote, my team, was I'm watching that Marquette run in 2002-2003, March Madness, and I'm sitting there. I've told this story before on my account, but sitting there with my dad, and I'm watching the shooting guard on Marquette, and I said, Dad, that's my favorite player. And Glenn Rice happened to retire in 2003, kind of just passed the torch, and I was hooked on the way he played, probably hurt himself a little too much going as hard as he did, but just loved his tenacity, how hard he played. I mean... None of the dirty plays were happening at that point. So, yeah, I'm sure uh, I'd love to say I'm sure Travis Diener is is flattered here, but I know you're not talking about him. Um, <laughs> so, yes, Dwayne Wade. And, and um, you know, you tell me I have a secret Wade collection. I just happen to have some Dwayne Wade cards, but um, I won't concede that it's an actual collection. <laughs> like you said, we've said it before. It's you have some amazing Wade cards, but he happens to be and some amazing sets and right yeah it's he and i collect finals i collect things that he just happened to be a part of um and i don't want to give him credit for those things so another thing that i know has been a part of your history just from viewing your social media is getting autographs in person and yeah. i had a period of a couple years where i was able to do that as well it's an incredible experience a lot of people don't get a, a chance to take a part in that. For me, it was just a matter of being in the right place at the right time. It's not anything spectacular that I did, but I'd love to hear a little bit more about this. How did this situation develop for you? First, when I was a kid, I live about two hours from the garden, Boston Garden. The garden is, you know, that's how we call it. I know the garden is in New York, but here in New England, we call Boston Garden the garden. So sorry for you Knicks fans out there. When I was a kid, I got brought to a couple of games. The first time I saw the Heat was with the Alonzo Mourning and Tim Hardaway era. I didn't have any special early entry passes or any of that, but I just happened to get Alonzo Mourning as he was walking through. And Antoine Walker, for some reason, was on that side too. And I got Antoine Walker and Alonzo Mourning, and I was that's pretty cool. That was a pretty fun experience. So for a few years, I would try and go get autographs. I tried to once do the Indiana Pacers when they had Steven Jackson and he signed, but I just missed him. And I ended up for some reason, Dana Barrows walked through the tunnel seconds later. I got him. There's a name I never thought I'd say on a podcast, but right. Um, First time on wax museum podcast, Dana Barrows. Check that one off. episodes. Yep. <laughs> so one of my good friends in around 2013, all these years later, he got season tickets for the Boston Celtics. And he told me that they came with these special passes. And I said, what are you talking about? He said, well, we get in an hour earlier than everybody else. And that's when all the players do all their individual workouts. So if Ray Allen's there, you can see him shoot for 40 minutes by himself, which I have done is the most magical thing in the world. I said, I don't understand. You're telling me we don't go in when everyone else goes in. He says, yeah, because we have season tickets. And that's when players sign autographs from what I'm told. So I went with them. The first game I ever went to was 2013. I went to see the Minnesota Timberwolves. 
and just I couldn't believe there was nobody in there except me and a few other people. And I got every single player on the Timberwolves, Kevin Love, Ricky Rubio. At the time, I was thrilled to get Derek Williams because I thought that rookie card signed was a big deal. I was wrong on that. But there were a lot of people that were wrong about that. Yeah. Michael Beasley asked, if you will. I was immediately amazed and hooked. And I couldn't believe as I got home, I said, Mom, I got the entire other team. And she said, not just one or two, because that's what she was used to seeing. From that point on, anytime I told myself, I'm never coming to a game without bringing the Legends passes that get you in early. So from 2013 out to, say, 17, I was full in on probably going to seven or eight games a year. I had to be picky and choosy with the guys I wanted to get. And it became not about the game for me, but who did I want to try and get their autograph? So when I went to that Spurs game, the goal was not to see Duncan play. The goal was to see if I could get my 2009 studio signed by Tim Duncan. And then, cool, there's a bonus thing after where they actually play the game. Right. I I had friends who would do the graphing before the Celtics games, and they would go and get the autograph, and they would just not even stay for the game. And I have a lot of friends who have done that over the years, and they'll buy the cheapest nosebleed ticket they can find as like an entry to try and get the autographs. And over the years, I've just had some amazing memories, met a lot of amazing people. And it's, it's about the memories too. I I have a great collection of in-person autographs, but when you watch Tim Duncan retire and go through the hall of fame induction, just having that memory of meeting him and talking to him. That's, that's really what I love about it the most. It's, it's such an amazing experience. Yeah. And going through those boxes, it's something that kind of triggers that. I, I know I'll experience the same thing. Like um, I remember, I, and I think I told this before being bummed out that I didn't get Derek Rose to sign my 2012 hoops card. Instead, mm-hmm. I got some rookie named Jimmy Butler. And I didn't even remember that. Like I'm going through my stuff. I didn't remember getting DeMar DeRozan, but then it kind of triggered those games and, and all the situations that led to that. You mentioned 2009 studio. And that, that's really an, an awesome set to get signed. It's like a horizontal set. Um, it's got a headshot on it. And then on, I think it's just the right side for all players. It's like a blank spot with maybe like a um, transparent team logo or something in the background. Mm-hmm. But it's like perfect for autographs. And Panini, they had sticker autos on some of them. But yeah. you're getting these hard signed. And I've, I've seen your post. It looks incredible. We'll have to dig some of those up. I think there was one that was pretty recent though, where people can see those, right? Mm-hmm. It's like I say to everybody that I feel like that set was made for autograph signing. And it's a huge bummer to me if I could have any set that Panini made in the prime years, I'll call them. I agree with you that the innovation has gone down a little, but back then when they were putting that stuff out and like, if we could get an, even in like, an, what do they call it? Chronicles. Mm-hmm. If they could do like Chronicles and have studio return even there i think a lot of people from what i've heard over the years that they would i'm not the only one who would love to see that return because you got all these current players i i'd say over half of that checklist is no longer in the nba yeah it's hard to get a raja bell card to get signed (laughs) right you know that it's interesting because studio was one of the intellectual properties that panini acquired with donruss and they don't really have a lot of historic things they can do with basketball. It's like, well, there you go. There's their studio. There's an intellectual property that you bought and mm-hmm. you have the rights to, you didn't have to create it and you can use it and, and people appreciate it. So if you're listening Panini, just one more idea out of many that 
uh, I will try to give you, we will try to give you here. So now I'm assuming at some point you ran into your idol here, Dwayne Wade. I don't, well, I don't know if I want to call him your idol, but your, your favorite player, Dwayne Wade, I'm assuming you ran into him at some point in your in-person autographing. What, how did that go? Well, first you can definitely call him my idol, my hero, all that. I'll accept all of those. I have got Dwayne Wade in person four times. Okay. The interesting thing I never was able to do, because I said I started in 13, that's when he had this teammate named LeBron James on his team. And I don't know if there's a direct relation, but I never even saw Dwayne Wade do the pregame warmups, his own pre-workouts beforehand. He was never out. You know how you try and get guys sometimes they don't even come out. Like Carmelo's famous for that. But when he was on the same team as LeBron, he didn't sign once in Boston while I had tried. And I tried many times. And then the year that LeBron left and went back to Cleveland, Dwayne Wade came out and he did his own workouts, did all this. And he stopped and signed for everybody, talked to everyone. I'm guessing it's because of how big that Heat team was. I know you don't want to go into deep details on that team either. Well, I, I have a heartbreaking situation with with him and lebron as with autographs too which i think i've told on here before but yeah yeah we won't we won't bring back the flashbacks of that heat team <laughs> yes he signed for everybody he was amazingly nice and my older brother who was with me he'll tell you my hands were shaking i had to go sit down i wasn't expecting this to happen but this is years now of me trying to try and get him and finally i did and he signed my slam magazine. And that's something I, I liked getting signed over the years. But part of me wishes I had brought an 09 studio. I'd love to have a signed weight of that. But I missed that opportunity. And that's something I kicked myself for. Because of the four times I've got him, three of them were on magazines. The other times he signed for me when he was on the Bulls. And like you said, you weren't expected to be as excited about Jimmy Butler. I got him one of those. And I was told he's a terrible signer. So that was a nice just bonus. And then my final time I got him, Dwayne Wade, that is, I went to his last dance tour, if you will. I hate calling it that, but he did. So I will. His last round, seeing everyone. And I said, I got to see him one more time in Boston. So I went down there and I've, I don't think I've ever seen that many people trying to get him before the game. But then I remembered that Dwayne Wade if you look at House of Highlights on Instagram, there's all these videos of him when he's walking off the court. One of his guys hands him a Sharpie and he goes through. So my brother, my younger brother, I explained this to him. I said, when the game's over, no matter how bad the Heat are losing, which they were down by about 25, 30, people were starting to leave. And I said, we got to stay. And he said, I understand. I know what you got to do. Do it. So when the buzzer's coming up, there's about 30 seconds left. And the old couple who was right there on the corner when you walk off the court, they get up and they leave. So the clock's ticking down and I look at my brother when those two old people leave and he yells, go. So I made probably the hardest sprint I've made since I was in high school. It's, it, was, it was a lot for me physically. Let's just say that. Um, so I get down there and I get to that corner spot and there's an old guy behind me saying, he's not going to sign for you. I don't know this person. He's making fun of me saying, you're not going to get that signed. So by the time I had got to that corner, I turn around and there's a solid 30 to 40 people who I realized I had beat to that spot trying to get there. And as Dwayne Wade is walking off the court waving, I see somebody come up and hand him a Sharpie. So I'm realizing I think I have a chance here. 
and I had just bought the pink Vice jersey that hadn't been out yet. So must have grabbed his attention or something because I stuck it out there and he signed it for me. And then I just got rained on by all these people behind me. They crowded over me and I kind of ducked and got my way out of the mob. And that old guy who had said I wouldn't get it, he goes, I'm sorry, I got that one wrong. I run back up to my brother. He was taking pictures of me because my eyes were watering up. I'm all emotional about it. And he's, I've posted the picture on my Instagram before, but it was like that kind of moment is exactly why I love to do the autograph signing. It's, I have that framed and up in my card room. And every time I look at that, I think of that night and I'm just very lucky I was able to get him one more time on a jersey, not one of those magazines. Right. That's something awesome that, you know, you won't be able to replicate and, and something that is unique to you at the same time. So mm-hmm. speaking of Dwayne Wade, that segues into the next part of our conversation, which is something you shared on your Instagram recently. It, it was kind of like a pyramid. That's what I'm going to call it, I guess. Um, yep. And it was, it, it had 10 to 11 players that you collect, which mm-hmm. that's a lot of players, by the way. Um, I, I admire that. <laughs> Um, so, but you had them in different tiers and Dwayne Wade was at the top and everything kind of funneled down from there. So it was a really good visual. Can you explain mm-hmm. why you developed this pyramid? Cause obviously, you know, you, you put some thought into it, having to put this thing together. Well, in case my wife is listening to this, I did acknowledge this, but I did forget Paul Pierce. He belonged on that tier, probably tier three, if you will, or pyramid level three. For me, I love making lists whether it's cards I want to find, cards like checklists, cards I need. And I struggle a lot with how do I, if I have some card funds, how do I want to spend these? Because they're going into cards. It's a matter of where I want to focus. And all the guys on my pyramid at one point, I've, I've had this pyramid for a while. I haven't posted it, but I went through it and I decided, do I have enough of each guy on here? And every guy I have on there, it's for a different reason. I mean, Chris Bosch, you can obviously figure out he helped the Heat win the rings. You got Carmelo, who's in the 03 class. Kobe is a special place in all of our hearts. But you got Bam and Tyler Hero, the current Heat players. And it's just all these different guys for different reasons. I wanted to find a way to organize it if I have, if it's time for me, if I think I'm in a good spot to land something big. Do I want to go look at cards of Luca who I don't collect, or maybe it's time to buy another big Wilt? Okay. So another thing that helps me do is Dwayne Wade and Wilt Chamberlain cards have, sadly, people have realized how good they are historically. I used to be able to buy a Topps Chrome Wade for 15 or $12, and those days have come and gone. So I got a baby son at home, I'm married, and I got a house, and I got to be an adult. So it's how on this pyramid can I add to my collections of guys without being yelled at by my wife for going a little too crazy in the month of May or something like that. So I'll, I'll look at that pyramid and I'll say, I haven't bought a card of Matt Bonner in a while. Maybe I'll go that route. I just go about it in a way that it helps me keep myself organized and not waste my money for lack of better terms, buying a a card of someone like Giannis who I don't truly even collect. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, I think everyone should basically, I mean, you have your pages at the top of your pyramid. Right. But even with, with that, I would imagine there are pacers that are your favorites. So Right. Yeah. Ron Artest and Jeff Foster, they they get a little um priority over like Jamison Brewer or something like that. So yeah. so let's run through your pyramid here real quick. And I and we don't have to spend long on each guy. You got Wade at the top. We've talked yeah. about him already. You've got so that's tier one, just one guy. 
kind of like our food Follow pyramid. Up. Okay. Yep. Um, second tier is Wilt, who you mentioned. Yep. Now, I would imagine there's not a lot of Wilt stuff out there unless you want to collect every shiny prism parallel. But in terms of his playing days, there's not a lot out there. And then autos, there's not a lot out there, which you do have one of the autos. You, you're very fortunate. Uh, and then relics, there's not a lot either. On that same tier, which is a fir- this is the first time I've seen these two guys paired together. You got Glenn Rice, which we've talked about him. <laughs> so um, I can see, you know, there's some ties to your past and your early collecting days. So that that obviously there's a nostalgic factor there. Tier mm. three, we've got Tyler Hero, Chris Bosh, LeBron James, Matt Bonner. Um, now I, I'm going to tie these together in a couple different ways. I see, okay, hero Bosch and James have been heat players, or you could say Bosch, James and Bonner were class of 2003. I, I can justify most of them. Uh, I do need to hear a little bit about Matt Bonner. You mentioned, you said earlier, I haven't bought a Matt Bonner card in a while. That's also the first time that's been said on this show. (laughs) Yeah. My love for Matt Bonner comes from the simple fact that he is the only professional player to ever come out of New Hampshire. So when I was a kid, I went to all of his camps. He'd run them in Concord and I'd drive 45 minutes down there every morning for the summer. And he runs all these camps and he had You remember, I don't know if you remember a guy named Gary Forbes. He was in the league for a few years. You know, Chris Brickley, who now runs the, he's the trainer in New York, who's got LeBron and all those guys in his gym. Okay. He was actually my coach there for many, a couple of years. And then Stefan Lasme was drafted by the Warriors. A lot of guys who ended up going pro for a little bit, but back to Matt Bonner, I eight or nine years, I did those camps, developed a great relationship with him to the point where we were both at a comedy show in New Hampshire. And I saw him and his wife sitting there. We walked by, I walked by him and he said, Hey, Alex, how's it going? So like, I didn't want to disturb him, but he called me over to talk with me and just get a catch up. And when I went to graph the Spurs that time I did to get Tim Duncan, Matt Bonner was obviously there too. And he stopped and talked with me. He said, Hey, Alex. So we, we know each other. And I just, I thought I didn't realize that I had that kind of name, first name basis with him, but He's been one of my favorites ever since I started collecting because of the O3 stuff, like you said. And he also happens to be the only guy from my state. There's not a lot of basketball guys up north in New Hampshire. I mean, we're trying to claim Duncan Robinson, but he's not fully from New Hampshire. So I, I don't know if I can sign off on that. But Matt Bonner, less than an hour away from me, he put together one heck of a career in Concord, New Hampshire, our capital. Then went to Florida and I followed him all throughout that stuff. And yeah, just ever since then. And I happen, I don't, I know I've shared it, but the rookie photo shoot autograph that I just got of him, that is literally his biggest card because Hmm. he didn't have many autographs. Like, you know what it's like with Jeff Foster. I mean, they just don't make many cards. Um, Mm -hmm. Although Matt Bonner out of nowhere in the last year or two is making uh, patch autos and immaculate. He's in opulence. And going back to these cheap things that I can track down, I'm just as happy when a Matt Bonner Prism autograph for $3 arrives as I am when a big Dwayne Wade arrives. So it's a great way to get it all making me happy. So I'm not too picky. Wasn't he rocking New Balance at one point in the league? Was that him? He sure was Mr. New Balance. And And then they just fell apart. Yep. He had to get a new contract at the camps, actually. He started to give away game-worn signed pairs of the New Balances. And that was for three-point contests and things like that. Um, 
sadly enough, one of my best friends is a very good shooter and he's got a pair of those signed Bonners on display in his bedroom still to this day. So were you weren't able to uh, get those from him? No, I, I'm more of a drive to the lane type of guy, so I couldn't shoot it. <laughs> and he's, he's very keen on rubbing it in up to me that I didn't beat him on that contest. Um, tier four is another interesting combo here. You got Michael Jordan. Okay. You got Kobe. Okay. You've got Carmelo, which I respect. I like, I'm, I'm a Carmelo fan. Mm-hmm. You've got Bam Adebayo. Okay. Heat guy. I get it. It is funny seeing those four names together, but <laughs> I'm assuming the Jordan Kobe Carmelo is just kind of their impact on the game and, and just, you know, they're just so good. And you've mm-hmm. watched him for so long, right? Yep. So maybe, maybe you keep come, you keep mentioning Luca cards. I'm wondering if Luca's not going to end up on there at some point. Maybe when things cool off a little bit. I don't want to, you know, lie to you and tell you that I thought Luca was going to be this good. Um, you know, Kentucky basketball cards, Jimmy. I I told him when I was down in Kentucky last. I said I don't know about Luca being as good as as he seems to be. Like I think it might be overrated. He doesn't play defense. I hate when people put him in like the top 10 and I said all this and I don't want to, I don't want to lie to you. I was, I was a pretty big skeptic at first and I have a friend who plays professionally in Germany. So he's been following the, the Luca run for a lot longer than most people in the States. And he, he texted me, he said, get ready for him. He's, he's as good as has advertised. Mm-hmm. So I, I thought I got in an argument with him about it. And, you know, I realized pretty quickly this guy's a lot bigger than I thought he was. This guy's a lot more skilled than I thought he was. And what really gets me, and I've said this before earlier, he's very cocky. He mm-hmm. talks trash and he backs it up. And that, when he starts talking trash after hitting one of those step back threes, how do you not love that? Unless you're a Clippers fan. Right. So <laughs> I, I've, I've had some Lucas over the years, but I'm only down to a few now. So I sold them because I thought at the time, no way this guy's going to be on my pyramid. And I, I got some amazing cards of Dwayne Wade because of Lucas' performance in the bubble last year. So I'm definitely not into the investing part of it. But I do, if a guy has the street, I'm definitely going to move those for guys who are on my pyramid. Um, so I've got a stack of Giannis cards just in case he goes on a nice run this year. I do think they're going to beat the Nets. I know that's not the popular choice, but if he does make that run and gets to where he could get, I'm ready to unload those to fund the pyramid, I guess, for lack of a right. better term. So. Well, and, and my guess, and, and you can tell me if I'm wrong here, I'm guessing, you know, if someone on the on one of the bottom levels, if their stuff just really shoots up and you've got an opportunity to grab more stuff of someone at the top, I would mm-hmm. think that's probably a trade you make because it's still kind of a priority thing. Yeah. When Tyler Hero went on his big bubble run last year, I sold a couple of rookie autos for triple what I bought them for to get Dwayne Wade stuff. And I know it's, you know, it's hard to move some stuff that you consider to be your PC stuff. But when a guy like LeBron goes and wins another championship and you have the shiny cards that everyone has to have and you can sell them and get more Dwayne Wade cards, I'll take that all day. Right. So there were two guys that did not make your pyramid. You mentioned one of them, Paul Pierce which um, I have not been a fan of him either. Um, I, I, and don't ask me to even explain that. I don't know. There's just guys you don't like sometimes, right? The other one though is Bill Russell. And I see you posting a lot of Russell stuff, or it seems like you do. I see you drawing pictures of Russell. So I know you're thinking about him because you're drawing him. Yep. He did not make this pyramid. So 
tell me what is going on with Bill Russell right now. To tell you the truth, I had a longer list, but there were a few guys who were in the honorable mention section. Jalen Brown's on there. I like him a lot. Another Celtic. Uh, Jimmy Butler is on the honorable mention list. I'll pick up cards of him when I can. And over the last few years, Bill Russell has made a pretty big push for a guy that I like to have some good cards of. For me to be as big of a Wilt Chamberlain fan as I am, you can't not have the utmost, utmost respect for Bill Russell and all the things he accomplished. I will say that living in New England, I do hear a lot of he's better than Michael Jordan, like Larry Bird, I think is blasphemous. I don't even think he's better than Wilt Chamberlain. And just a quick plug for all you Celtics fans, uh, Wilt averaged 29 and 29 for his career against Bill Russell. So I think that should be addressed. I'll you and Steve on at some point. I don't I don't know if that's going to go too well. We'll just, we'll just talk about Paul <laughs> Pierce instead. But um, by the way, Steve, if you're listening, you've got an amazing Pierce collection, and I love talking about him with you. Back to Bill Russell, he happens to be part of every big set, pretty much, that basketball cards has produced, except for 86 Fleer and things like that. But you look back at the original sets, the 57, the 61, when autographs started and really pick up in 99, all the way till now. Any big autograph set that's been made, he's in. You got Exquisite, you got Flawless, you got the early Upper Deck stuff that we'll get into later. But from a historical cardboard standpoint, even, it's a lot more than just those 11 rings. He's He means so much to the basketball card world. I will say I'm kicking myself to this day because my card shop had, in the early 2000s, he had a rookie card in his glass case, very good shape for $200. Mm. And at the time when I was a kid, that was a lot of money and Looking back now, I just should have forked it over and mowed a few extra lawns. Yeah, mowing a few extra lawns. Now you get a few extra zeros on the end of that, more yeah. than a few, actually. All right, so there, there's your connection to Russell, and I'm kind of in the same boat. I'm, I'm, I was a Wilt guy, I, but you know, I'm treating it like I do LeBron and Michael. I don't mm -hmm. have to pick one. I used to feel yeah. like I had to pick one. I don't have to pick one. Let's appreciate both of them. Mm -hmm. um, okay. So as we wind things down today, I always like when collectors talk about their favorite cards. And before you came on, I said, hey, you know, I want you to make a list for me. So if you had to narrow things down, let's say you could only keep three cards. What three are you picking and why? All right. I'll do a countdown here. Um, I've got three cards in my whole collection that were the three I made my bucket list cards pretty early on. In about 2015 or 16, I discovered under the radar, there had been a Paul Pierce and Dwayne Wade duel from Topps Cosigners. I had no idea the card existed until I was just scrolling a big Paul Pierce collectors and they only had the printing plate of it. And I messaged the guy, I said, is there an actual autograph of this card? He said, yes, it's real. I can't find it because it's only numbered to seven. So I knew right then and there that I had to find one, but I also knew that it was not going to be easy to track down the card that there's only seven of. I wanted that card because that's when I had first met my wife. She's as big of a Paul Pierce fan as I've ever met. And I love Dwayne Wade. So I'm not going to get sappy, but that card has its obvious high meaning to me. And I love Paul Pierce as well. So I said, I got to find one of these so I can show it to my wife and say it's the perfect card. And I spent the next three or four years trying to track one down. You scroll down my Instagram all those years ago, you're going to see me putting out basically flyers wanted looking for this one. 
put it on Facebook for years. And right around the time of the 2000, I want to say 18 nationals, I put a post out on Facebook saying, reminder for those of you going to nationals, I'm looking for this. If you see it, buy it. And I don't care what the price is, I'll pay it. And some guy in Alaska commented and he said, I'm not going to the nationals, but I do have the gold version of this to three. I just, I didn't even think there was lower variations of it, but there's a one of one too, but he had the gold number two of three. I hop on Facebook messenger immediately after that. And I messaged him and I, you know, when you get the guy who says, I haven't sold anything in years, I don't really right. know. And I said, of course, it's one of these guys. And you've just told him you'll pay whatever. So. Yep. So he, he starts getting feelers for it. And I gave him my numbers. He said, I did pull this myself all those years ago. I don't know if I want to move it. And he kind of just disappears for a little bit. I let a week or two go by. I'm talking to some friends to try and calm myself down about this, asking for advice. And you know, basketball car guy, we talked about it a lot, me and John. And I said, what should I do here? What's the play? And he says, give it some time. And I waited and then I doubled my offer. I messaged him one day. I said, I know I said I'd pay you 300 and I know it's not worth six, but I will pay six. And he responded, you're not going to stop until you have this card, are you? And I said, nope. So you might as well sell it now. So he, he probably honestly could have got a few extra dollars out of me, but I think he realized after I told him why I wanted it so bad he finally gave in. And after all those years of searching, we made a deal for, I think, 500. He was nice enough to bring it down a little. Yeah, that's that would be card number one. And it's great to have that. I have that in a special place. Number two on my list is not is the highest ranked Dwayne Wade card, which is very surprising to some, I'm sure, that my number one card in all of basketball is not a Dwayne Wade. The Topps rookie photo shoot autograph of Dwayne Wade from a very young age, I would see that in the Beckett. And that was the Dwayne Wade I thought I had to have. I mean, it sounds kind of crazy, but you give me the option of his exquisite RPA or that, I would have taken the Topps photo shoot. I just loved the fact that it was signed. I know, you know how the next day stuff works with Panini and that's the Topps equivalent. I know we've talked about it in Messenger a lot. That's such a rare set. There's only 56 that are sent out to the public unless you get a personal edition like I have of my Matt Bonner. But the Dwayne Wade Topps rookie photo shoot, he signed it that day. That was the start of it. He looks like he's 12 years old in the picture, which is funny. But that was my grail Dwayne Wade. And I never thought I'd be able to afford one. And it got posted on Facebook that someone was looking to sell it or trade. And the only thing, of course, if you're on Facebook, you know, the only thing they want in a trade is Jordan and LeBron. I happened to have just bought a Michael Jordan autograph from his UNC from the collegiate exquisite stuff. And I got that for about $500. And the guy on Facebook had said, I'll, I'll only trade for Jordan or LeBron autos. And most people roll their eyes at that, but I got tagged in it by six or seven people, including my good friend, Jose down in Miami, who's also a huge Dwayne Wade guy. And I messaged the guy and he said, I actually have two of this Dwayne Wade autograph. So I, I really thought I had a chance there. And he said, do you happen to have any Jordan autographs? So I sent him the picture of the one I had. And he said, would you trade that for the Wade? And I, th I thought to myself, I can always go back and get another Jordan autograph, which I have since. But so that Dwayne Wade was a pretty big deal for me. And I had to bring that one in. You know, the excitement of a big Ron Artest or something like that. Yeah, definitely. You, you got to reel that one in when you can. 
that's one of the ways that I'm so happy I got when I did. That was about 2017 or 18, I think. And since then, you're seeing them get posted for 15,000 or 10,000. It's just, I, I wouldn't have been able to pull that one off today. Speaking of cards, I wouldn't have been able to pull off now. The number one card on my list, and I know if you've followed me on Instagram for more than five minutes, you know the big card in my collection is my Wilt Chamberlain Incredible Autograph. When I was a kid, my grandfather and my dad and my older brother, they painted Wilt Chamberlain as God. Superhero, Paul Bunyan type of figure, not even really existing. It just was unfathomable to me that someone could score 100 points in a game. He's over seven feet tall and runs like a gazelle. It's stronger than Arnold Schwarzenegger. I hear all these tales and it's that guy. I, he's, it's why he's on my pyramid so high. I mean, I didn't obviously see him play, but that guy to me just was a very big deal. So when it came to getting that autograph, I realized when I found out it existed, rather, it was, uh, I'd like to say it was probably when I was about 10 years old. And ever since I thought I'll never be able to get that thing. He signed that just before he passed away. We're so lucky he even has autographs. I'm like Pete Maravich. Mm-hmm. The money has just always been way too big for me. And I never thought I'd be able to own one. It was my dream card. And that incredible set, as you know, is a big deal to me. Thankfully, Michael Jordan's not in the level one, so I can actually pursue that set. That was the card for me my whole life. That's the card I said, if I could have one card in my life, it would be a Wilt Chamberlain autograph. I don't care the shape. I don't care the condition. Wilt Chamberlain signed that and I need to have it. So I had all these people trying to help me get one for years and it was great. It's, I developed those friendships through that. And one friendship I developed, pretty famous guy in the card community is Jimmy Mahan, as we all know, Kentucky basketball cards. And we talked and we talked for years over this card. And we know Jimmy to be someone who has a huge heart, does all these things for the community. And he said, I remember we were watching one that was raw on eBay and the listing ended. And he ended up telling me after it ended that he had bought it and he had won it at auction. And he said, I won this for you, but you got to come to Kentucky to get it. I remember I thought he was messing with me. I called him. I said, what's going on here? He says, you're coming down to Lexington in February. We're going to figure this out. Sure enough, me and my wife flew down there that Kentucky hospitality is, I didn't even know existed as it's as special as it is, but Lexington, Kentucky, if there's one place I would move from New Hampshire, it would be there. He brought me out to center court before the Auburn and Kentucky game. And he had it in a flawless briefcase and he handed it to me. And I didn't think it was, I didn't think it was real. That was the best day of my card collecting life. I mean, I remember having to sit down, my legs were shaking. He opened the briefcase and just that kind of gesture is something I don't think I'll ever be able to repay him for, but that was such a special moment for me. And one of the coolest I've ever had in my entire life, not even just card related. And I met a lot of great people down there, made some strong friendships. It's a lot goes into that Wilt Chamberlain that I didn't know would go into it at the time, but it just makes that card far more special to me. And it's another one, like I said before, that thank God I got it when I did, because that one has exploded along with a couple other players in that set. I mean, I got the Jerry West for $30 at the time. That's Hmm. not going to happen. That's not going to happen again. Right. Wow. (laughs) Well, that's pretty incredible. And and I don't think we can 
follow with anything that's going to top uh, being gifted a Wilt Chamberlain autograph. So I appreciate you being willing to uh, share your collection with us and share some of those stories. I've really enjoyed talking with you today. Before I let you go, um, I want to give you a chance to, you know, plug anything if you're working on something or anything that you're looking for. Go ahead and give your social media handles in the process. The next few moments here are yours. Yeah, I think the one thing I would like to plug that I'm obviously hunting for, I could use some help with it. A lot of people have been trying, like with the Wilt Chamberlain. Last card I need for my incredible set is the Bill Russell. As we know, that's not going down in price anytime soon. So I'd like to get that sooner than later. Did a big PSA submission to try and get some more funds for that. So I'm trying to get myself ready for the next one that appears. But that would be the, the last part of the set. It's a big one. That's part of my Walt Chamberlain set. That's the reason I wanted to do it. So any help I could get with that, completing that, crossing that bucket list item off, that would be a huge deal for me. I want to say thank you to you for having me. This is obviously my first podcast. I hope I didn't do too bad. Um, hopefully you'll have me back sometime soon. I'd like to be uh, not quite on Sholey slash, <laughs> slash S. Howley's level, but I'd be happy to be back here anytime. And I appreciate everything you do for the community as well. I appreciate it. And real quick, your handle for anyone that uh, wants to know once again is Connell underscore collection. That's correct. And I'll make sure and get that in the title. Alex, it was awesome. Thanks again. I'll be talking to you soon. Thank you very much. All right. Well, there you have it. I want to thank Alex again for coming on the show. He's been a big part of the Instagram basketball card community, and it was nice to learn more about him and his collecting story. Maybe there was something we talked about today that resonated with you. Feel free to reach out to me on social media. You can find me on Instagram under the handle at Wax Museum Podcast. I'm also on Twitter under at Wax Museum PC. If you enjoyed today's episode, I encourage you to support the show by doing all of your eBay purchasing through the link on my site. This is very simple. Before you go to purchase or bid on an item, go to www.waxmuseumpodcast.com. There's a big eBay logo at the top. Click that and it should give me a small percentage of whatever you purchase in the 24 hours that follow that click. It's a simple way to support the show, but if multiple people do it, it really helps me out. Once again, that's www.waxmuseumpodcast.com. In the meantime, if you like the content I'm providing, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Podcast. Hit up the Podbean site for a link to the merch store. Tag Taco Bell and let them know they can pay me in burritos. And until next time, this is the Wax Museum Podcast.